Yo, what's up, Sam fam? I'm super stoked that you're here with me for yet another Talking With Sam. We got a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about education. What does it really mean? Like, come on, it's going to be lit. So go ahead, get you something to eat and get you something to drink. Because today you're talking with Sam and Bryant Cuttingham. What is up, Sam fam? I am so happy you all are back with me yet another episode. And y'all, today I have a very dear friend and a brother here with me today. And we're going to talk about education. There's so many times that, you know, as people, we go through the education system. And, you know, all we know is the student perspective. All we know is what we know our mama and our daddy did. But today we get to hear from an actual educator himself. Who am I talking about? Like I said in the intro, my brother, Brian Cunningham. <laughs> How you doing, bro? Doing well, bro. And yourself? I'm doing well, man. I am so stoked that you're here. Awesome. <laughs> I'm and glad like, to be here. Thank you. Oh, you. oh, no problem, bro. The pleasure is all mine and the Sam fans. <laughs> And, you know, so we're just going to jump right into this. Like, so, Brian, who are you? Like, let, let the folks know who you are, where you're from. Um, well, as, as Sam said, my name is Bryant uh, Cunningham. It's funny, I always people say, wow, you said the T at the very end. Yes, I'm not Brian. I am Bryant. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and it's funny since, um, you know, since Kobe has passed away, I've had so many people come up to me and say, yo, you know what your name is? I'm like... Yes, um, I've had it, you know, for 38 plus years, you know, so <laughs> um, like my name has always been Bryant. Um, of course, it put like a little, I guess you could say a little extraness to it uh, since Kobe's uh, passing, you know, a great yeah. influencer, you know, um, has left the earth, you know, pretty early. But um, but yeah, so I've had a lot of people just say, oh, my gosh, man, you share the same name as, you know, Kobe. I'm like, yes, you know, so I count that, you know. Um, as an honor and privilege, but uh, I kind of even more honor and privilege that I've been named after my father, um, who is Bryant Morgan Cunningham Sr. And I'm Bryant Morgan Cunningham Jr. Uh, and I come from an uh, amazing mother uh, by the name of Shirley Ann Davis, um, whom I love very much. I will be um, celebrating her life. This month will be five years that she's been gone, but um, her memory is definitely alive uh, through my siblings and I. So. Uh, but I come from great parents, great stock. I'm originally from Wynn, Arkansas, a little city called Wynn um, in Arkansas. But I grew up mostly in Georgia. Um, and then it was in my late, not my late 20s, but my mid-20s, I moved to Jacksonville, Florida. So that's, that's where I reside right now. <laughs> that's what's up. And like, what do you do for fun? Like, you know, we will get into your career later on, but like for fun and hobbies and stuff, like what do you like to do? Um, I have many interests. I have my colleagues and friends here who are always saying, you know, you're such a nerd or a dork. Uh, but again, <laughs> I, I tell them, I tell them, you know, like, you know, what's fun to you and relaxing to you is, you know, fun and relaxing to you. What's living life for you is living life for you. And, and me every Tuesday and Friday has been consistent uh, for a very long time. I go to the museum. Um, called the Commerce Museum here in Jacksonville. Um, it's free mm -hmm. every Tuesday and Friday from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. And it's just like my woo side time, you know, after I've been teaching, you know, throughout the day and work with my students. Um, it's that time for me to go and I really enjoy myself. That's fun to me. I have a blast. Like, that's what's up. Like, you know, everybody has to figure out their way to decompress. And like, you know, yes. especially after you've been teaching and, yes. you know, 
for me being in education, it won't be like literally, if you do not have those times, you yes. will go crazy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the museum is that for me. It's that, it's that escape. Um, I love going to um, learning even things about our own culture here. There's a, um, a plantation called Kinsley Plantation here in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. where there was a lot of slave trade, slave trade that transpired here um, in the early 19th century. And it's so surreal when you go there and you feel the energy of the ancestors, you know, of the past who were there. Um, these were amazing men and women who were engineers in their own right, and architectures in wow. their own right, and in their own right and they were turned into slaves they were they're not slaves these are persons with amazing gifts and talents and their life was taken away from them and this is a life that they were given and excuse me the life that they were forced to live and coming over here um having to make do what they could here and a big thing for me as an educator one thing that has inspired me so much uh with that is I'm a big reader, I love to read, and I look at our forefathers, you know, who reading was not a privilege for them, but some of them, you know, they stay with still literature, you know, just to learn how to read or to get, to to build their vocabulary up. And I tell my students all the time that, you know, Black history is not just, you know, one month in my classroom. I literally talk about it all year round in my classroom. And I tell them that, you know, it's a privilege that you guys, and it's, it's, it's not only a privilege, but it's also a free access for you guys to be able to read whenever you want to. Um, these people have to see literature and they will get one book and read it over and over and over and over again. Just this one book, just to build their vocabulary and also to have an escape to another world, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. that is amazing to me that I have access to plethora, plethora of books around me and not having to risk my life, you know, um, in in so many words, risk my life, you know, to just to read, to read. So it's amazing. So those things back to, again, to the core of the question of what I love to do for fun is that the museums and going to go visit the Kinsley Plantation, also African American Museum in St. Augustine, which is about 30 minutes away from Jacksonville, 30 to 45 minutes away from Jacksonville. But it's an amazing African American Museum um, in St. Augustine. So it's really, it's really great. I love doing it. I love it. Like that sounds like fun to me. I love, like I love going. Like I love history in general. Yes. Because history can set you up for your future. Yes. I mean, you know, it lets you know where you, like, where your ancestors came from and like what they had to overcome. Exactly. And a lot, a lot of times we don't understand how to build from where we are on forward unless we know what our foundation really is. Yes. 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 Oh yeah, man, like that's like a whole other topic. I could talk to you about history all day long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, yes. You already answered my next question, which was like, what do you do for a living? But like, how did you get into education? Like what made you say, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do? Um, I went, it was I wanna say about maybe 16 and a half years ago, I was a part of a ministry in Brunswick, Georgia. Um mm-hmm. and my pastor at that time, um, they didn't have a pre-K two and three-year-old um, Sunday school teacher. And so they asked me, you know, would I do it? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if, I, if, you know, if I'm really good with kids like that. But my pastor was like, you know, just try it. 
And I tried it. I did it. I enjoyed it. I love it. I loved it. And I still do love it. And um, later on, as weeks went on with the pre-K two and three-year-old Sunday school classroom, I had the biggest mm-hmm. Sunday school classroom um, out of all the ages. Um, I would talk to parents afterwards. The parents were telling me the things that the kids were coming back home, telling them about the Sunday school class. And I was like, wow. And so um, I'm moving forward. I moved to Florida and I tried to get a job in corporate America, which is not my forte whatsoever. (laughs) 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 Tried to get a job in corporate America, did not get the job and I was bummed about it. But um, at that time, my um, friend of mine mentioned to me like, why don't you um, try to get a job with teaching, working with kids? And I was like, wow. And so the very next day I put in my resume to one preschool one preschool um, and everything else from there was history. I put my resume in to them and I did not have my degree or excuse me, my high school diploma at that time. And the owner of the preschool program um, called me back and was like, I would like you to come in for an interview. But the director was like, well, he doesn't have his high school diploma or degree. And the owner said, I love the way that he sounds and talks. Bring him in for an interview. And of course, they told me this, you know, months later after I was interviewed and I went in for an interview on a Wednesday and I walked out Wednesday with a job and came in Thursday for training. And I taught at that preschool for 12 years, which is my first teaching. I was there for 12 years from 2007, January 12th, 2007 until May 31st of 2019. Um, No, 2020, excuse me, 2020. I was there. Um, And it was a great ride. I have no regrets after 12 years. It was amazing. I met awesome preschool teachers. I met um, a lot of parents, students who I taught when I, my first year teaching there, 2007, I had a student of mine who reached out to me just this, uh, about a month and a half ago through Messenger and was like, hi, Mr. Bryant, do you remember me? And she just graduated from high school. I was shocked. blown because I always felt like in preschool I'm like would they even remember who I am and she did and I've had a few other students reach out to me um, as well too and I've always encouraged preschool teachers that you're not a glorified babysitter unfortunately the preschool sector has has been given a bad reputation and of course the reputation has been given that that reputation has been given because of the acts of other persons in the profession and don't understand the profession and can't answer the questions to the parents why we do what we do in the preschool sector and um, I was able to um, do trainings I was asked to do trainings and seminars uh, teaching there uh, become a mentor um, there while I was also there I would travel from the school I taught at to the sister school they built in another county next over and all of this um, with not a high school diploma or or a wow. uh, degree and I would be in trainings where men and women who were that do trainings for a living 20 something years and I'm like oh my gosh, how can I go up behind these people? And I don't have the credentials, you know? I just have a passion. I just have a love for it. And I will go up behind them and people will come up to me and say, so what college did you go to? Like, where did you get your degree at? And in the beginning, I felt really like, oh my gosh, I don't want to answer that question. But I did. 
because I was just like, I don't have anything. And I said, I don't, I didn't go to college. I don't um, have a high school diploma yet. And they were like, you what? I'm like, yeah. It was like, but the way you present yourself, the way you speak and all that. I said, all I've done these all these years is read. All I did, I invested wow. in my craft. I wanted to be a teacher. I love what I do and I invested in it. I would, nobody gave me, nobody made me read. No one said, you know, you have to do this. My colleagues who graduated with their bachelor's and master's in education would come to me and say, hey, I can't return these books to the college. Do you want them? I'm like, yes. So I would take them home, highlight, take notes, and just read for hours and take notes and try the different methods in my classroom. And also the methods that were given to me also through prayer as well, too. Um, there were things that spirit would reveal to me in prayer that I'm like, okay, try this. And I'm like, and it never failed. It always worked, you know, and I had to be, <laughs> I had to be consistent when I was, mm -hmm. when it was showed to me, you know, it wasn't like, you know, spirit showed it to me like, bam, boom, like, oh, it worked. But I had to be consistent with it if I wanted to see it manifest in the children and in my students. And um, yeah, that's how I got started with this. <laughs> well, I know I'm kind of like winded with it, but no <laughs> i love the story because like to me like it's kind of like how i got into it yes. I, mean, I remember whenever i got into like teaching and i never like i i was i never went to school to be a teacher or anything like that or yes. like i never even got my college like college degree i all i did was i was looking for a job and one of my mentors said, hey, why don't you be a substitute teacher? Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I was already coaching. Yes. And so I was like, you know, I have the idea of working with kids, but it's in a different platform. Yes. And so I went to, I went through the, like, you know, the three-hour course to become a sub. Yes. And I went and, like, they said, hey, go to these high schools or middle schools and elementary schools and give them your certificate, a copy of your certificate and tell them, hey, that you're certified and you're available. Wow. So I did that. And I, I went to the high school. They said, hey, can you come in tomorrow? We need somebody to do a one-on-one. -on -one. I was like, sure, because I needed the money. Right. But then the next, I went to the next, I went to the middle school and they're like, oh, shoot, I've heard of you. And I'm like, you've heard of me? Right. Like, I just got this paper like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're like, yeah, but you coached my daughter's friend. Yes. Wow. And so like literally, they're like, okay, well, I, I know you said you got something to do tomorrow, but after that, we need somebody to fill a classroom for a week and a week turned into the rest of the year the rest of the year turned into the next year the next year turned into the next year and like so i understand your story like how you just get into it and you got to have a passion behind it. yes you're right you're absolutely like, right it's the core just because you have a degree doesn't always mean you, know, you like what you do exactly exactly and it doesn't mean you're good at what you do either yes so, i and I mean, I'm not throwing shade on anyone whatsoever, but I have definitely experienced that. Um, I have seen persons that in the beginning of my career, I was very intimidated because they had the degree or not, ha they, they have the degree, you know, masters or bachelors in education, whether it be in the preschool sector or whether it be in elementary. And I was intimidated in the beginning, but then when I would see that, you know, trying to help them, you know, understand why we do what we do in this in this sector of education um they i saw some of them just like i can't do it i'm just and i would ask them like but you went to school and you got a degree and you went for this and some of them would tell me honestly i did it because my parents made me do it 
or my mom wow. was a teacher or my, my mom and my grandmother was a teacher and my great grandmother was a teacher. So that's what I, that's why I did it. And they didn't have a self, they didn't have any self-awareness about themselves to figure, to, to say, well, this is not what I want to do. I actually want to go on a different path, you know? So yes. Wow. Yeah. And see, like, like that takes me to my next point. Like, like, cause they did it for somebody else. Yes. Like, why is it important that a person takes individual, like, like take as an individual, take their own education to be important? Well, we know, you know, we have traditional education. We all know traditional mm-hmm. education, you know, math, language arts, you know, reading, writing, um, social studies. We have that. But when we talk about education, as far as a person being enlightened on a subject, that subject could be yes. anything. It could be music. It can be art. It could be being a DJ. It can be a, being a teacher. It can be someone starting their own business. It's so important right. that we focus on our individual education because we're investing in self. And when you invest in self, the result of that in your own education is also being self-aware about yourself. You get an education about yourself. You get a, like I'm. Com- I'm completely with you on that. Yeah. And one of the things that like to go with what you just said that kind of like triggered in my mind, like, you know, there used to be a point where people were like society focused on like vocational or trade schools as yes. well. Yes. And be, but we've gone so far to the scholastics of stuff, not saying that we don't need that stuff. But for some people, that's not the answer for them. Exactly. Like, you know, like four year degrees, two year degrees are not meant for everybody else. It's okay to be an electrician. It's okay to be a plumber. Exactly. And these are skills that you can just learn from your parents or your grandparents or your friend's dad. And like, you know, and I like what you said about taking like, you know, like taking like interest in what you want to do. Yes. Not what everybody else is telling you, but like as an individual, like, like letting yourself be yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Because your intelligence is not based off of a number. It's not based right. off of your SAT score. Your intelligence, we were taught that, that was grilled into us, but your intelligence is not based off of that. Your intelligence is in what you love to do and what you're passionate mm-hmm. about. Your education is in what you love to do and what you're passionate about. It's in an element. It's your element. It's what you're in. It's what does not feel like a job to you. You don't clock in. You don't clock out. You're just like, I'm here. Sometimes, I mean, from my personal side, you have to turn yourself off. It's like, okay, dude, like, you got to go to sleep. (laughs) Right. You have to go to sleep, you know, and your mind is constantly turning on different ways to add to the element that you already have with the love and the passion that you have for whatever it is that you want to educate yourself in. But educating yourself and doing it as an individual is based off of what you enjoy. What's the core of what you enjoy doing? A lot of people associate that with, well, what is my purpose? What is my existence? Why am I here? And sometimes people look at, they try to categorize education like, well, this is the big thing. Well, this is smaller. That's not the case. That's not the case. That's not the case. I read a book uh, by Sir Ken Robinson called Elements to um, uh, Passion of Elements. That's the name of it. Passions of Elements. Um, excuse me. No, no, no. Yes, that's it. Passion to Elements. I thought I was saying the, the title backwards uh, there. But um, and one thing that he said in that book, that someone could be educated and have 
intelligence in so many different ways as far as when we're trying to force our kids to do something that we want them to do because of how we were brought up as parents, mm-hmm. you know, parents who have children, we do something. I want my kids to have a better life than I do. Well, um, if your child is fidgeting in class or not sitting down, back then when education was introduced in this country in the early 1900s, that they were quick to say, okay, we got to either fix them or you're doing electric chakras on a child to get them to calm down. Well, right. the, there's a famous ballerina, and, and it, it, I totally forgot what her name is right now, um, but she is one of the co-writers of Swan Lake. Swan Lake is a very popular ballet, uh, not only in this country, but around the world. And her mother, her teacher told her mom, look, she's fidgeting, she's, she's not being still in class, and you know, I don't know what else to do with her. The mom took her to see a doctor, The doctor, so gratefully that he understood what he was doing as far as working with young children, he told, he saw, he had music playing in the background. It's a classical music that was playing in the background. And he saw the little girl moving. And he told the little girl, he said, I'm your mom and I are going to go into the hallway and we're going to talk. And he had like the mirror that they could see through, uh, the window that they Mm -hmm. could see through. And the doctor told the mother, he said, look at her. And when they left out, she was looking to the left and to the right. And when she she stood up out of her seat and she started dancing to the music. And the doctor told the mother, he said, put her in dance classes. That little girl became one of the most famous ballerinas in the world. Wow. And her intelligence, and she didn't, it never talked about as far as what I was reading. It didn't talk about, you know, her SAT scores or her grades. Now, her outlet with dance helped her in her academics. It did. Mm-hmm. It helped her in her academics, but she came, she, her intelligence and what she, her core, what she loved to do, her passion was in dance. And she came to be one of the famous, most famous ballerinas um, in the world. So wow. I think that that's amazing that she, her mother felt interest in her, her daughter's um, individual education with the help of the doctor who didn't just want to give her some type of electric chakra or put her on medication or anything, but said, right. hey, this is what it is. Try this method right here. And it worked. It worked. You know, like, it's good that like, you know, that somebody was willing to go outside of what the norm is yes. to like get an answer. Because like, you know, like you talk about SAT scores, a test doesn't tell you everything. Exactly. It says whether you know the knowledge or not. Exactly. And and then with that, you don't even know if you really know the knowledge because if you have somebody like me who has test anxiety, like yeah. I can know it and know exactly how to do it. But whenever it comes down to like, this is this is what's going on paper, yes. I can forget it easily. Yes. And you know, I know a lot of people who are so smart and like, you know, if, if they literally would go off of like what they knew versus what they were tested on, yes. they would have been the smartest ones in the school. Yes. And like, but at the end of the day, they couldn't, they, they couldn't pass the test and that, that made them feel inadequate. And like that being said, like, how do you, how do you as a person expand your knowledge? Like, you know, how do you expand your education? Like to get what you want? Like that, like that mom took them to the doctor, yes. took her to the doctor. Yes. How did like, how does somebody take that for themselves? Say, Hey, I'm in this situation. I'm that fidgety kid. How can I get to my doctor that's going to have my answer? One, it takes a parent to be very aware of their child. And in my profession, mm-hmm. you'll be very surprised. 
um, some people are surprised, but those of us in the profession who understand that a lot of parents are not aware of their children. As a teacher, I have to be aware of each student in my classroom because each student has their own DNA. They're all not the same. So I have to be very aware of that. And that's how I can help the parent expand their child's education. Even how a person can expand their own education is again, it goes back to the core, what you love to do, what you're, uh-huh. and you expand on that core by investing in yourself. If you are a chef, you love to cook, or if you, even if you, if you don't have the title of a chef yet, but you love to cook and you are a chef in your own right, whether you are at some prestige restaurant or not, but your kitchen is your is your platform, is your prestige, it is your stage, is right there. Invest in yourself. Buy the knives that you see shelves that you watch and you admire on television. Buy the knives that they're talking about, some of the best knives, you know, in the world. You know, invest in the pots and the pans they talk about, you know. Buy a week worth of eggs and keep practicing <laughs> until you can crack open an egg with one hand and there's not eggshells, you know, in the bowl. You know, when you wow cracking it, it's all about investing in yourself. That money you may use to go out to eat, you know, on the weekend, turn around and put that money back into yourself and into your expanding your education about the thing that you're passionate and the thing that you love the most, you know, and again, it could go to, you know, invention, being an inventor, you know, you're inventing something and you invest in, you know, sketches, you know, you invest in getting a sketchbook and getting different color pencils and drawing these things up. You may not be the best artist, but with practice, you can convey what it is that you want to invent. And you see those notes and then make it come to fruition with a physical form of that as well, too. So I definitely will say that what will help expand anyone's education, it goes right back to investing in yourself. And that's so important. Like, you know, literally, because like, I I love what you said about instead of going out to eat, like come back home. Yes. Like investing yourself. Because really, the only way we really know our real value is if we see our value. Exactly. And, you know, when we don't invest into ourselves, we're not saying, hey, we're saying we're not enough. When really we are enough, we're everything we need. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I was having a conversation with one of my friends earlier, and like she and I were talking, and she was just, like, saying, like, we always downplay ourselves. Yes. When really, you know, we are, like, literally, like, we are that answer. Yes. You know, like, we can be hungry and you, you said it's funny you said shelf because I just started cooking this year oh wow, like, wow, wow yeah wow. like I literally <laughs> just started like back in February and it, the reason I just started was because I didn't think I could have the answer wow like I didn't think I could I was like you know what if I make something it's gonna be nasty and like literally my very first meal was like something I, I mean like you know growing up in a black house you do not mac you do not mess up the macaroni and cheese. <laughs> like you don't like stove top macaroni and cheese ain't the answer exactly. but you gotta have that bake and but like i literally took the time and like you said investing is like not just the money aspect yes. it's the time aspect as well yes. and i took the time to listen to somebody else and say hey like how much milk do i need to put in there how much cheese yes. like what else go in there how long shall let the noodles boil? Right. like you know like, but that's investing, taking the time to say, hey, I want this to be good for not for anybody else, but for exactly. me. Exactly. 
Exactly. And like, you know, then that's literally educating yourself and like putting yourself out there to learn something new. Yes. Like opening up your mind. And like, you know, I oh man, I could stay on that topic all day. Exactly. Like <laughs> because like because literally that like us opening up our mind, we open up the opportunity for our kids. Yes. We open up like and like, you know, yes, sometimes we say, hey, we want them to be like us or we want them to do certain things. But why do you think it's important to get into a kid's education and allow them to be themselves? I tell parents that it's a partnership. Technically, mm-hmm. you are your child's first teacher. They don't, they don't right. see me first. They don't see their preschool teacher, their elementary teacher. And now that I teach elementary, um, I, I see that a lot with letting parents know that it's so important that you are involved in your child's education because if you don't know what's going on how can you help your child reach their potential there's so many voices out there to weigh down on a child's um esteem no one is born with low self-esteem there are so many voices that can come to a child's self-esteem. It can turn their self-esteem into a low self-esteem. And so right. helping your kids to uh, dissolve those voices that says you're not good enough, you can't, even in environment, in atmosphere, a parent has to be honest with themselves that, you know, a, a moment of reflection um, as far as, like, okay, how did I speak to my child today? Was I too aggressive? You know, was I not involved enough? I'm not saying parents are perfect. No one is perfect. But what's going to help with perfection, and I'm not talking about crossing every T or dotting every I, I mean consistency. What is going to help with that is that we co-partner with one another, educators and parents. We always hear this saying, um, it may be cliche, but it's so true. It takes a village. And it's, but it's true. Right. It takes a village. One person can't just do it by themselves. My students are with me Monday through Friday. School starts at 8.30 and end at 2.30. Their parents are at work. So I'm teaching. Right. So I'm there being a part, being involved in their education. Just because I have the title of the teacher doesn't mean that most teachers are involved in their students' education. And what I mean by that mm. is that I may have some students, and this is being aware of your classroom and, and your students. I may have students who may not, they have some students who live in areas where the eyes, the odds are higher. I'll say that. The odds are higher mm. in the areas that they live in. And when they come into my classroom, they may not be, every morning at 8.30, everybody knows, first thing for the first 30 minutes of my classroom is right time. They may not be able to write at that moment. They may be having to deal with something that happened last night, some mental and emotional things. So as me being their teacher, Mm -hmm. being involved in their education is that I have to say, okay, what's, are you okay? Come to the side. What's wrong? They may be hungry. How can I get upset or get mad at them if they're not writing, but I need to figure out what it is. That's a part of being involved in their education, not just traditional education, but the whole child mentally, emotionally, and physically as well, too. Sometimes they may need Mr. Cunningham to give them that gap. Sometimes they may need Mr. Cunningham without me, with me asking permission first, would you like a hug? And I teach my students, there's a certain way you hug Mr. Cunningham. They just can't hug me 
like they will hug their parents. They have to hug me a particular right. way. They can only hug me from the side. They cannot hug me from the front. Right. They cannot hug me from the back. And they know this. And sometimes they'll walk up to me out of the blue and just give me a hug. But they all know to hug me right from the side, you know. And even if they have a moment where they forget, they're like, oh, I apologize, Mr. Cunningham. I'm like, thank you. We just want to respect each other's space. That's all. Right. So not only with just helping us and um, or getting into your child's education, parents and teachers have to be reminded that education, not just traditionally, but again, the whole child, mentally, emotionally, and physically as well, too. It's very important. You know, like, like you just like you just like made me open up my mind, and I looked at the definition of education when you said yeah. that, because like, because you, you said like the village aspect, and we normally know like the first definition, which is a process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, yeah. especially at a school or university. Yes. But we forget about like the second definition. There is it's just simply an enlightening experience. Exactly, exactly. And that's what literally that's what we have going on. Like as, at, with the village of the education, like like we're all in this together. Like you said, the partnership. You can't have one without the other. You wouldn't have the students if it wasn't for the yes. parents. Yes. Like you know, and literally working together is so important to help make this future adult because they're not just a kid; they're a future exactly. adult. Like help them process what's going exactly. on. And you know, coming from like you know the education side, like like I was telling you earlier. A lot of times, a lot of teachers don't understand, like having the odds, having the odds right in the in the way they yes. are. You don't understand what it's like for that kid to come to school hungry, and you expect them exactly. to learn. Exactly, exactly. And like they're not even comfortable to exactly. learn. Exactly, exactly. And like I get, like like that being said, like it makes like I have this question that like a lot of that is going to like go against like what yes. some of my friends who are teachers say yes. but like how do a kid who feels uncomfortable express it like how do they express it to their teachers without being disrespectful i use um this method from an, another fellow teacher um in education um she's amazing educated she's uh, no longer teaching anymore but she too just like myself teach in the area where the odds are, you know, higher than the area I taught at before. Um, and she said that one thing she would do with her students when they come in every morning, she said either they can do one or two things. She never forced them. She said, if there's something wrong or you feel if something is bothering you before we start the day, everybody take a piece of paper out, write what's bothering you, how you feel, because they may not want to. We try to make kids verbally speak with oral language right. and that some kids may not want to right now. So in order to build that rapport between the teacher and the student in the beginning of the school year, you take methods as such as the one I'm speaking of and you, she, she had them write and she said, for those of you who want me to see it, fold it up and come to my desk and drop it. And those of you who do not want me to see it, just write it, ball it up, and throw it in the trash can. And I will make sure that no one will see it and I won't read it. But she had to build that rapport with me. And so, like, and so with that, it's that is how a part of it is helping the kids feel comfortable in a classroom. Most children, because of environment, have have a negative outlook on teachers or a teacher they may have had prior 
in their traditional education. So when they come to a teacher right. that everybody may say, oh, this teacher is really good. That kid may say, well, no, like bump it and act out because of what, what another voice said to the child in another grade or even in preschool. So it's, right. it's so important for me that as a teacher that, and I've done this even in my preschool career, um, I did it. I I interacted with the kids for the first 90 days, which is very important. And in preschool, we have what is called learning centers. And in engaging, they teach us in the profession to engage in those learning centers with the kids in your classroom. Then when it gets to the academics, you will see them ready to learn, wanting to learn. Because I really believe that most children from, from my experience really decide they want to learn, but they have to know that you care first. If, you don't, if they don't right. know, if they know that you're being false or you putting up, I hear my students say, oh, you just giving me faith. Well, then they're not going to give you what you're asking for because they know like you don't care about me. You know, and, and I've heard right. so many teachers talk about that. You hear about it on documentaries. We've been hearing about it for years that persons have spoken on in, in the education sector that children do they do not respond to somebody that they know don't care about them. So they literally won't receive when you are teaching traditionally. They won't receive. So it's so important to build like, that before. You, you are so yeah. right. You are so right. Yeah. Like you, you took me back to my childhood, huh. and like I had a teacher who told me I wouldn't be wow. anything, and I was like, "Yo, like I could, like I there was there was a lot of extra words I said that I can't I say bet. right now." But, I bet. <laughs> but like whenever I started teaching, I remember like there was a a kid, and they told me he wouldn't do nothing for you, and I just like I literally went to the kid and I said, "Hey." As long as you don't bother my class, I won't bother mm -hmm. you. You pass, you pass. If you fail, you fail. There won't be no right. bad blood. And like that kid was like, and you know, like me being like in the middle school, that's where they say like, you know, they yes. are horrible. And really they're no. not horrible. They're still right. kids or they're still adults right. in training. And and like you got to teach them, hey, you got to work through some things you may not feel comfortable right. with sometimes. But you're opening the door for them to be themselves and express themselves the way they want yes. to. And and like one of the, like the one of the most unique stories that I've ever had was like you know in teaching math in the seventh grade we had to talk about conversion oh, yeah. and and like literally like the in the area I taught in the biggest drug dealer his son was oh, in my wow. class and so like I mean and I knew who I was working with I mean I, I wasn't gonna I wouldn't act like yeah. I didn't or be like oh so like oh I know better nah. Like, I, like, sometimes you got to teach a kid where they are with their reality. Right. Yes, yes. And, and so we're going, and he, like, you know, I'm talking about, I'm going back and forth, and he raised his hand. He's like, yo. And he made an uh, analogy from grams to ounces. Hmm. And I was like, my first thing was like, say no to mm -hmm. drugs. But his answer was right. So I didn't want to discredit him that he didn't and didn't and don't yes. answer it. I would take the hit to get in trouble for this kid to open up. And let me tell you, that kid literally ate out the palm of wow. my hand for the rest wow. of the year. And he worked so hard. Like, you know, we focus on like standardized testing so much. He worked so hard to pass the end of the um, end of the yes. grade test. And it was like, and the other kids saw it. They know this kid don't do nothing. Wow. 
he'll fail every other class, but he literally failed every other class, but passed wow. mine with flying wow. colors. Not because like he was my favorite, because he had attitude issues. I mean, shoot, I had attitude issues. I understood right. him versus just trying to get him to have some knowledge like that he really does. Why would he care about it if he wasn't? Right. Wow. Wow. But it's so true. And it's so true. Wow. Yeah. It's so true. And and it's important that we go we get past those barriers yes. on both sides. Like, you know, like even like for parents, like you, you can answer this, like, you know, like how do parents get in there with the teacher if they don't know how to? Like, what is a good way for them to connect and parents to help build this partnership? That part right there, it goes right back to how you build rapport with the with the with the child, with the student. And you also build that same rapport. The one part of education is customer service. Customer service, mm-hmm. you know, you speak, hello, how are you? When you interact with your parents, show that you're kind, you know. You may have had a reputation for being a bad donkey, but I'm, I'm it's a podcast, so I won't say I won't say one word, but uh-huh. for being a donkey. Oh, I get you. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you, my podcast is marked explicit just in case oh. somebody <laughs> like But like, you know, I'll say it for you. Some people, some people are known as yes. jackass. Yes, yes, and so you have to build that 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 rapport with the parent. When you have the parents, when they trust you with their child, you can educate yes. them on how to help their child. They can get involved now. Sometimes you're not going to get, even if you are, hello, how are you? You call, you communicate, you email and communicate in every form. There is a way to communicate with a parent. Some of them, you're just not going to get on your side and you have to swallow that and move on and give your best to that student that's with you five days a week, six hours in the day, you know, and you have to, you just have to give it your best shot. That's all you can do. But it just goes right back to that those parents who you see that they want to be involved and those parents who you see that that we kind of prejudge like, mm, I already see how those, I already see how this parent's going to be. We prejudge some parents, you know, I'll have. And then right. come out there, some of the best parents, <laughs> some of the best parents that get involved and become like that classroom mom or that classroom dad and get involved um, in the classroom. But it goes right back to right. They send supplies exactly, every week and making sure exactly. You're good. But it's building that rapport, and when those parents to know that you care, that you genuinely care and love their children, if this, if the, those children or those students were your very own, and they came from their your right. offspring, parents open up. They open up. You know, female. Let um, me tell you. Saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was funny. You just took me to like literally, like you know. I said I, I taught middle school, and you know that's when hormones oh, are yeah. changing. And <laughs> and like literally, I mean, I got people coming from PE back to my oh, class, no. and you know, in middle school, like a lot of guys and even some girls don't know how to properly take yes. care of themselves. Yes. And I would never forget. I sent an email to all my parents asking them to send deodorant. To school with their, t- oh, with their wow. kids. And I, my principal was like, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, why? I was like, they don't want to smell their kid like that. And I exactly. don't want to smell their kid like that. <laughs> and next thing you know, 
like all like all my kids, even the ones who had my class before PE, they started like they they would bring deodorant to school, and I'm like, it smells so right. good in here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, but like it's like literally building that relationship and like you said you are going to have those parents who are not going to like yes. work with you you are going to have those and you know and even from the parental side you're going to have those teachers who's exactly. not going to work with you exactly. as well because like like just because people are teachers don't mean they like Ex their jobs exactly it's just the part it's just I, I call them bodies in a room it's all, you're just right. there you're just existing and, and I, I, I also share with teachers I'm like look if you if working with children and working with having students is not what you want to do, please, and I don't knock, please, I, I'm putting this out here. I'm not knocking anyone who works in a cubicle or who works at a call center. I'm not knocking that at all. But because I love what I do and I am a I consider myself a guardian of what I do as a teacher, that I tell other mm -hmm. persons who are in the profession, look, if this is not what you want to do. This may not be the place for you to try to figure out what it is that you want to do because you are right. dealing with lives. It's not a rock. It's not exactly. a rock. You know, this is a life. This is a, a a young, this is a child or a young person like my elementary students, you know, um, where they're going to be a citizen in somebody's country one day. In someone's country, mm -hmm. whether they stay here or go overseas, they're going to be a citizen somewhere. And it's going to be something that you said because you were on your journey, which is nothing wrong with that. Being a, we're all on our journey of self-awareness that you're trying to figure out what you're what you what you want to do with your life. And you snap at them and they shut down. And that child, they're trying to figure out at the age of 16 why my child is a bully. And when they finally go to therapy at 17. They opened up and said what well, a teacher told me when I was in pre-K. And it was just those few words that caused a child to go on this, this spiral, this spiral. So it's so... I get you Yes, completely. yes. So it's very important. That's why one thing I tell... We're not... Teachers are not perfect. Even when I reflect during the, mm -hmm. when I come home and I'm sitting in my office or I am, you know, sitting down watching a movie and my mind begins to wonder... And I think about, you know, I was really aggressive with the student today. There's not enough pride. There's no pride in me for me not to go back the very next day, pull that student to the side that I was aggressive with and say, look me in my eyes, please. Mr. Cunningham wants to ask you for your forgiveness. And I go into why I'm apologizing today. And I tell them I apologize. Yeah. That's a part of building yeah, that before that. as well, too. Just because I'm the adult, I'm right. No. No, no, it doesn't work like that. No. See, it, that's important. Like, you know, you said something that really took me back to, like, that teacher that I, that said I wouldn't be anything. Mm. Like, literally, she taught a core subject. She taught oh. language arts. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. yes, but in her teaching a core subject, instead of me, instead of her looking at me as if I don't want to yeah. do, and she was a veteran teacher. That's one of the wow. issues I had. She had been there for a while. Like, she asked me what was wrong. To come find out that I was dyslexic. Wow. And so, what I was reading was what I really saw. Wow. wow. And there was, a, I remember, there was a major difference between that year and the year I had before that, where the teacher was like, hey, Sam, we're going to read this wow. together. And she knew I didn't like reading in front of the class because I didn't see what everybody right. else saw. 
Whereas that teacher forced me to. And a lot of times we got to understand who, like from the education side, who yes. the kid is. And and parents got to understand who their kid is as well and say, hey, this is what I see with my kid doing. Like, I don't see my kid like, I don't see my kid like the others. Like he or she has a different right. issue. Allow, like, like how do like, if you, if, if a parent came to you and said, hey, like I feel something's going on. Like, what is the best way for them to do that to open up themselves to you on their side? For them to come to me and they do have a concern. And I, I'm so grateful that I have a rapport with all of my parents where they do come to me and say, hey, I saw this this weekend and I don't know what to do. That's the first step. It's not about me hovering over them with this energy like, you know, I'm the professional. I know what I'm doing. I cross every T and I dot every I. I have to be, mm -hmm. I have to have energy that is welcoming. I have to have energy that mm -hmm. is, that you can speak to me about anything. It's putting the stamp on that at the beginning of the school year. And being, therefore, after you put that stamp on it, being consistent as well too. If you are reaching out to your parents, you're emailing them, you are communicating with them when they at pickup time. Um, I communicate with just about all my parents at pickup time. I have a very, very small group because of COVID. Um, so I don't, my class is not big like it was. I have kindergarten through third grade. Some persons are like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you were working with kid. Literally, I, we have lab work that we do. And so when I have my other students, other grades on lab, I called another grade to my table to do small group. But I literally communicate with all of those parents. And when I communicate with them, I have seen so far this school year that many of my parents have come to me about things that they have felt uncomfortable about. Uh, whether it's maybe something that the student may have gone home and said what happened in class that another kid may have said to uh -huh. them, but I wasn't aware of it or I didn't hear about it. Or and the, the parent may say, Ms. Connor, I, I really need to talk to you. You know, this is, you know, my child came home saying ABC one, two, three, and this is really bothering me. But they weren't able to come to me about that if I didn't build that rapport with them and if I didn't communicate with them on a consistent basis day in and day out. You know, even even as far as taking a phone call in the middle of me teaching uh, informative writing or opinion writing uh, <laughs> and language arts. For me wow. to stop for just a few moments and tell my students, copy what I have on the board, give me just a second, I'll be right back. Take a phone call and they're like, Ms. Cunningham, I know you're teaching, I'm so sorry. But for my parent to do that, obviously what is on their heart is very important and is bothering them that they could not wait to after school to discuss it with me. Or they knew that I would not see the email, um, see the email in that moment while I was teaching. So they was like, I had to pick up the phone, I have to call him, I have to call him. And most of the time, again, it goes right back to building that rapport that that if, a, if students feel uncomfortable with a teacher and what can the parent do about it, and, and if the parent is just like, I'm uncomfortable with a teacher, then, then it's about building that rapport again. If a parent is uncomfortable with a teacher and they just feel like I can't even go to them at all, then I advise them to go to their administrators. Go to the go to the principal. Go to the assistant principal. There should be somebody on the team there that you can reach out to and speak to if you are uncomfortable talking to your child's teacher 
based on if you feel like you're going to snap, if the parent feel like they're not going to have good words or feel like they're going to be able to receive from that teacher, then the next best thing is to go to somebody in the administration. Absolutely. Like, I'm with you. And like, you said something that's very powerful. You said team. And like, yes. you know, because at the end of the day, like, like education yes. takes a team. Yes. You know, you because the teacher is going to see one perspective. The principal is going to mm -hmm. see another. The guidance counselor is going to see another. And, you know, the, the tutor is going to exactly. see another. But, like, like you know, it, the team is simply another form yes. of the village. Exactly. And so, like, we're all in this world together and trying to help. If we try to help make the next person yeah. better, there's nothing that, that we can do. Part of the reason, part of the reason why, you know, we look at what's like what's, what happens today. If we are individuals, you don't get as far. But when you work together as yes. a team, anything Absolutely. is possible. I mean, I know it sounds clicheish to persons, or it may sound cliche, period. But it's such a true principle. It really, it really is. But the key to that, and I, I've said this word a few times in our conversation, a key to that is being consistent. You know, you have to yes. be consistent. Even when there are days when you don't feel, you know, feel your best or wanting to do it. You have, there are days that I may not feel 100%, but that has, I may be dealing with something personally, but that has nothing to do with my students. And when I go in there and because what I, I love what I do, that atmosphere also gives me like a woo side that I forget what's happening outside of my classroom and I zoom in on my kids. I zoom yes. in on my students, but it definitely, it definitely takes consistency. Um, it's not easy. There are great days. There are good days and there are bad days, but you come right back in and what you love to do, you come back in, you renew your mind and you go at it again and you go at it again and you go at it again and you have an understanding that this is a, a, a ongoing journey until you transition I, from the earth. <laughs> Is, is ongoing. Self-awareness is ongoing. You know, you may not get all your students. You may not reach all the one, all the students in your classroom, but that's why it's so important what, what you just said now, being a teen, that the next teacher may be able to reach the child where you were not able to reach the child. And it's okay. Just acknowledge the child with something kind throughout the school year. And I'm telling you, it definitely does a boost for who they will become as adults or citizens again in whatever country that they decide to like live. man yes. like yo you have said so much and i really appreciate it. i know the sam fam appreciate you because like you've opened up a whole different idea uh, side of like education and not just like in the like you know the scholastic education but like the self-education of life um and like it's like it's yes. It's so much, and I'm so excited to. I'm gonna go back and listen to this over and over again, just because, like, because, oh, like, thank you, bro, man. like, you really opened up the mindset. Because, like, literally, you just didn't say, okay, this is what we got to deal with. We got to go through K eight, then we got to go through um, the uh, a, for some people associate's degree, some people bachelor's degree, some people master's, others like you know um, doctoral. But you said, you know what? Invest in yes. your cooking, invest in your music. If you like invest, invest in like and yes. opening up the experience of like gaining knowledge, enlighten yourself. And you know, yes. 
and I'm exactly. really fortunate. Like number one, like I'm, I'm going to the brother side now. I'm fortunate to have you as a brother to open up uh, to open up ideas and mindsets to go further. And Thank like you. you know, and like you know, Thank to you. the Sam fam, like if you Thank ever you. want to reach out, if you want to get more information from my brother Bryant, make sure you put that T on the end. <laughs> Bryant Cunningham, <laughs> like Cunningham, like let me know. Like, reach out to me on like reach out to me on Instagram by talking with Sam. You can email me at talkingwithsamh at gmail.com because we don't want you to like just stay where you are. We want you to be the best version of you. And that's the, that's the ultimate exactly. goal. Exactly. So like, you know, without further ado, y'all, I know this was like a little bit longer than normal, but it's good to invest into yourself. So we inviting you to. I'm like, it's sorry. It's all cool, bro. It's all cool because like you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was no, sorry. One in my mouth. Was, but one thing I want to mention, I'm so sorry. I know you're ending it right now. I just want to encourage the, the Sam fam, this right here, that the work, it is exhausting. When you do, when you have self-awareness or when you're on the journey of self-awareness, it can be exhausting. But the results, the results that you want in your life and the results that you desire to see, that is the comforting part. So the work is exhausting. People may admire somebody and say, oh my gosh, how did they get there? It's exhausting. If you're in therapy, it is exhausting. There's nothing wrong with therapy. Therapy is amazing. I recommend it to people all the time. But when, you, uh, when you're on this journey, it can be very exhausting. But when you get to a point in your journey where you're like, yes, I made it. And you look back like, whoo. That was exhausting. I cried. I was angry. I cussed. I fussed. I yelled. But I actually met the man in the, in the words of Michael Jackson. I actually met the man in the mirror. And I had a raw moment with the man in the mirror. And one other thing I want to put out there is that that book I mentioned earlier by Sir Ken Robinson is called The Element. I wasn't sure if I gave the title correctly earlier, but it's called uh, The Element. How finding your passion changes everything. Great, great book. Yo, highly recommend. Thanks, bro. And don't apologize for being long-winded because, like, you literally, like, you opened up like the <laughs> idea, and that's really like you know, with family, like a lot of times you gotta like you get. It takes a long time. Family don't come overnight. Family takes time to actually grow Whoa. and get to that place where you where you want to go. Like, and sometimes you have to put, like, you have to put more work in than normal. And like, you know, and yes. literally like, you know, yes. one of my biggest things is like being the best version of ourselves and to be the best version of ourselves, okay. we literally have to put the work into ourselves. And that could be us sitting down and listening to more than what we want to listen to because we're a because we're able exactly. to expand further than what we know. So like once exactly. again, like, exactly. you know, bro, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was such an oh, honor. I really brother, appreciate honor it. Thank you. And to the Sam fam, we will talk with y'all next episode. And Brian, thank you once again.